following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. On this episode of The Producers, the Quote King and the Wizard of Jazz are talking about their top five favorite on-screen rants from their favorite actors in their favorite movies. Stay tuned for all that and more right here on The Producers. Okay, everyone places. This is the final scene, so let's make this one count. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. Welcome to the Producers. The following episode of the Producers may contain language and quotes that are not suitable for all Lights, audiences. Lights, camera, podcast. Advice. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Producers. I am the Wizard of Jaws. Joining me again is the Quote King. Technically, I'm joining him. He's been way more consistent on the show than <laughs> I have been. So, uh, Quote King, what's up, buddy? What is going on? Good morning, buddy. Uh, last time we were here, it was your birthday. I played happy birthday for you on the thing and the stuff. And... Uh, we just got done talking some football on hats, stats, and stats. So if you're if you haven't checked it out yet, that dropped on Wednesday. It is obviously Friday or later if you're hearing us now. Um, but yeah, well, uh, we got some producing to do. So what are we talking about? You know what? I'm I'm pretty excited for this week. So we're not doing a movie, but we are doing our top five movie monologue slash rants. And this is kind of wide sweeping, which is why I thought this was kind of cool. It can be a motivational speech. It can be a crazy, like, seething rant. It can be a a monologue where basically you are a character. The camera is zoomed in on your face and you are speaking for, we'll just say, a prolonged period of time. It's not a back and forth. You're just on a tangent. And And a lot of them stem from, like, in conversation, their replies. Correct. We, we talked about it last week with Knocked Up, like the whole like doorman, doorman, like that's a rant. She went for <laughs> right a solid five minutes without anybody else saying anything where she just went off on this dude for being a doorman. Yelling at Craig Nelson on the streets outside this club. Um, One of my personal favorites, which didn't make my top five, is the one of the opening scenes of Bull Durham. You know, his whole, well, well what do you believe in, Crash? Well, I believe in... And I'm not going to say it all because there's a lot of inappropriate terminology, but <laughs> You're right. like I, I, one of my favorites didn't make the list there. It's, it's wide sweeping. I mean, I had like 15. I really had to narrow it down. Even if we did our top 10, that is too long of an episode. We always talk. We try to keep this like 30 <laughs> minutes and that would have been a whole different that would have been a two-parter. Right. First ever producers two-parter episode. Yeah. Um, and this is interesting because like, so. I, I took the time. I found five and I probably could have found way more. These were just right. ones that off the top of my head. I was like, yeah, that's one. Well, some of them come to you, right? Like I knew even when I was doing this, I had examples in my head. Right. You know what I mean? And really and, some of them stem from other episodes. Like yeah, if we were just listening to ourselves, we'd have had this. And you like, as soon as you mentioned it, there were at least two or three right off the bat that I was like that one. Yep. So do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Yeah. Cause I know um, you, you had a couple honorable, you or you had one that was honorable mention, right? I do, yeah. So I'll go first. This is fine. So I mean, so do you want to you want to go back and forth? You want to do my five and then your five? Let's go back and forth. 
Okay, I'm down. So my honorable mention leading into my five. So my honorable mention is uh, Mitch from Waiting, the movie Waiting. Great movie. With with Ryan Reynolds and Justin Long and Dane Cook as a line chef is a line cook is hysterical. But Mitch goes the entire movie with no dialogue and then just loses his mind in the last five minutes of the movie. Not even no, not even no, they didn't allow him to speak. It's not like his character was just like, he tried to talk and no one would let him. And they just cut across him over and over and over again. And he's like, yeah, Monty, you're the coolest guy in shenanigans. It's being the smartest kid with down syndrome. And he's just like, goes off on this tangent on everybody before flashing everyone, the goat. And he walks out the door. That was the shit. Exactly. And that's exactly how everybody felt as that movie ended. It couldn't have ended any better. Oh my God. But that was, that's my honorable mention of, of all the ones I could have, I could have picked out. Yeah. Uh, Number five, a little bit more. I don't want to, I don't know if it's iconic, but certainly at least in our group of friends, it gets mentioned all the time. And I see memes of it on Facebook constantly. Um, It's the end of Billy Madison when they're in the, the the debate portion of the whole thing. And he goes off on that tangent about the puppy that lost its way, but it's not Billy Madison's tangent. It's the t- the principal's tangent where he's like, nowhere in all your nonsensical rambling is anything that could be considered a rational thought. I worked you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. And he's just, Adam Sanders is like, well, a simple no would have done. Like you didn't have to do it. It's like, Jesus, like we didn't have to go that far. Right. But that, 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 that still shot of his face is all it does. It's some way it could be a political thing, it could be a sports thing, it could be anything. But that is a very popular meme yep. and or gif on social media of and, uh, uh, and, and no all points. it needs. All it needs to be, and and th- I think this is one of the best parts about a lot of these quotes is a lot of them boil down to like a line or two, and you know the whole thing, right? Like right, that right. one, like. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul is literally like people put that gif or that meme on stuff all the time. And you're just like, yeah, Billy. <laughs> it really, you need, it doesn't even need the words. If you just had his face, a still shot of his face right in front, you'd be like, Oh, I, I know what you're saying there. Yeah. I, I get it's mean, points. but I know what you're saying. It <laughs> <laughs> hurt my feelings a little bit. I get no fine. points. Right. All right. So that was, that was my honorable mention and my five. What's your five? So my number five is very much a cult classic and one of my dad's favorite movies, which is surprising, ironically, uh, but Animal House. Oh, yeah, there you go. Specifically Belushi's part. The, you know, over? What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing's over till we decided it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. It ain't over now because we because when we're going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go. Come on. I just love that. Hey, man, the Germans didn't not, not let him go. He's on a roll. <laughs> and like, the best part is he runs out of the room and no one follows him. So that he <laughs> right. comes back. Well, what the fuck happened to Delta? I used to know. Where's the spirit? Where's the guts? Huh? This could be the greatest night of our lives. We're going to let it be the worst. Oh, we're afraid to go with you, Pluto. We might get in trouble. Well, kiss my ass from now on. Not me. I'm not going to take this. Warmer. He's a dead man. Marmalade. Dead. Niedermeyer. great well i mean in in the way that only jim belushi can you know what i mean like that's just a classic from the like it's one of those things where it it doesn't feel like he's reading a script it feels like he is on that like he's actually pissed at his co-stars and he's mad at them for not doing this so let's lose our minds yeah and in like you said in the very belushi way 
and I, I probably could have picked two or three different like things from like Blues Brothers and other stuff that he's done, but this is this is as Michael Cole would say, vintage Belushi. Right. <laughs> Classic. Classic. All right. That's your, a good one. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so I, I, so I my him. so mine my number four, I went more I didn't do this on purpose, but they they kind of flip back and forth between comedic and inspirational. Um but my number four is the president's speech from Independence Day. Like right before they met, they launched the massive counter strike to go against the aliens where he's standing on the back of a Humvee speaking on the loudspeaker to all the pilots that are about to go. The, into combat. This is a quote that to this day gives me chills. Like it's one. It's of the, super one, well done. Oh, yeah. And it came out 20, almost 25 years ago. I mean, yeah. it's, it's old. Yeah. I, I mean, you're sitting there, you, you deal like. And this is the this is the one of the first movies that at least I can remember that you saw like widespread death and destruction. I mean, they blew up the White House, they blew up the Empire State Building with people on top. Like right, right. Lots it, of people died in Independence Day. And you're like, so you literally sat there and watched like monuments to like the world just explode with people inside of them. With one shot of a beam, boom, gone. Yep. And here's El Presidente. Inspiring the troops. It, it, like, to your point, chills every time. I, I see, again, still frames and memes of Bill Pullman on the back of the Humvee and just a still shot. Like, we're going to live on. We're going to survive because today we celebrate our independence. They're all like firing their guns in the air. They're all like jacked up. I'm not in the military, but I want to run through a wall. Like, I'm fired up at the end of that speech. Yeah. If it doesn't I mean, get your I mean, heart pumping, you're soulless. Yeah, like we will not go quietly into the good night. Like, like I mean, just a little, little Shakespeare. Like, yeah, quoting a sonnet there a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that one, I mean, really, as far as motivational speeches from a, and I really, I don't want to say misplaced, but it's from a non-sports movie. Because I right. feel like that's what happens a lot. Most of the motivational quotes, and I know you've got a couple, and I've got some coming up that they're often in sports movies. Yes. It's a coach firing up his players. It's it's you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's the little giants like beat beat them beat them one time going down the hill on your bike. Uh, also, oh, a very close honorable yes. mention. Right, yes, they might was. beat us ninety nine times out of a hundred, but that's the that least one time. One time, right? Exactly. So that that's my number four. But I I think Independence Day is a one of the biggest blockbusters from the nineties. Oh yeah, I think Will Smith's early work, his biggest film, maybe his biggest film. Uh, of his career. I don't know. I mean, men in black certainly had some good I, ones. Bad boys was very good, but I, I still think independence day might be like the, the biggest blockbuster he had. I would say those two, I would say independence day and men in black were probably his top two, especially his early work. But like bad boys two was better than bad boys. One bad boy. is fantastic. hundred percent on you with that one. Yep. Uh, allegedly they're making a sequel to bad boys for life now because it was so widely. Accepted. I thought, I thought they had already planned to do three and four. And although I originally thought they were going to film them back to back, but I think the pandemic put the kibosh on that they had filmed three and they were about to do four. And they were like, oops, I have, I've yet to see three. It's in in, in its entirety. I've caught it a few like partial times at my old job, but Mm -hmm. um, the parts I've seen, I really like it. It was really good, but so we actually watched it. So the morning of Benson's wedding, 
And again, oh. he got married during the pandemic. So it was right. a very small thing. But as the groomsmen were getting ready, well, the girls need 17 hours to get ready for the wedding oh. where the guys needed 30 minutes to put their suits on. So we sat around a morning watching Bad Boys 3 in the living room of the house that he had rented. Right. Just hanging out while all the girls took several hours to get ready. But it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Hair, makeup, whole nine hairs. It was good stuff. You got it. Uh, Something to look forward to. Yeah. Joy. My... Uh, <laughs> So my my number four is actually uh, a quote from Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Um, Can't talk about it. That's rule number one of Fight Club. Right. So and there's actually a few of these. So I actually this is another like this is one I have to I didn't probably have to read the whole thing of Belushi's, but this one because there's, <laughs> there's quite a few that you could attribute to him. But this is remember this. The people you're trying to step on were everyone you depend on. We're the people who do your laundry and cook your food and serve your dinner. We make your bed. We guard you while you're asleep. We drive the ambulances. We direct your call. We're the cooks and taxi drivers, and we know everything about you. We process your insurance claims and credit card charges. We control every part of your life. We're the middle children of history, raised by television to believe that someday we'll be millionaires and movie stars and rock stars, but we won't. And we're just learning this fact, so don't fuck with us. Like, really, it's just being being a middle-class person. Right, and every man's man, right? Or every man's person, I guess. <clears throat> yeah that i i like it just it hit it hit hit it hits home because especially in this day and age like we live in a world where everyone's trying to get their 15 minutes of fame via social media tiktok snapchat everyone's fans, an influencer whatever. yeah <laughs> i don't make the rules no but those are things those are all very real life things happening right now you know and like, what a time to be alive well, and you have like we we talked about a little bit on uh, hats, hats and sets this week about like Jackson Mahomes and Juju Smith Schuster. Now, Jackson Mahomes is only famous because of who his brother is. That dude having his own TikTok account probably not famous, aside from the fact that his brother is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Juju uses his fame to be famous on TikTok, also. But like every single person who posts stuff on TikTok either does it a to be try to be funny or be to try to get famous. I mean, and I can't imagine doing like a little dance. This the same little dance that everyone else is doing. It's not a new dance. It's nothing that you choreographed. It's a it's a fad. It's going around. You did your version of it, and and somehow you have a million followers. Like I I don't I don't understand. Well, I like TikTok, but I I don't care about the people dancing. It, yeah, it's like I, you know what I mean. Listen, I like TikTok too, and sometimes like the dances are funny or fun or whatever. And like I mean, we all listen. We all know what sells on that app. Like, oh look, here's that same dance I've seen a thousand times with a different girl in very little clothing, wiggling <laughs> her hips at me. So I'm like I'm gonna watch it and then I'm gonna move on. Like, but what live, it, live in life 15 seconds at a time, just flip, flip yeah. them through. Yeah, and then like then you go like every now and again you scroll through the comments and you're like, oh, people are creepy. That's why you're famous. Got it. Hundred percent. That's just where we're at. It's, it might be the downfall of society. We'll, we'll have. I'll get back to you in twenty years. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> how it's going. So where where am I at? Number number three number is three, that right? Number three. So so number three comes from one of my all time favorite comedies, and it's uh, Tommy Boy, and it's just his sales pitch. So on when he's on his sales run with David Spade and he's like smashing the model cars together on front of his on, on his desk and then lights it on fire and like smashes it on the ground. But it is a whole thing of, you know, new guys in the back puking his guts out. <laughs> it's just, just the whole sales pitch is nobody else. Spade and the other actor not saying anything. 
for 45 seconds where he goes through this ridiculous sales pitch about his new brake pads and smashes half the stuff on the guy's desk. And then the guy just goes, get out. <laughs> his response to the, the ranting sales pitch. Can't believe the guy called me a psycho. Are you in there just now? You are a psycho. But that is, it's one of my all time oh, yeah. favorite things where he's just like, truck tire. Oh my God, daddy, I'm burning. <laughs> like the guy just sets the car and wire and smashes it on the ground. It's so ridiculous. But like, again, Chris Farley, like Belushi, I, like I, I, I feel it. It's like in yeah. my soul of him just doing that. Yeah, you feel the awkward salesman. Like he's trying so hard to live up to his name and who he is and who his family is. Right. And he doesn't know how. So he's trying like just over the top, ridiculous. Like, oh, and Spade's just like sitting there with his hand like over the side of his face, like trying not to make eye contact with this. I mean, dumpster fire, but he literally set something on fire. So it's right. like an actual kind of fire that he can't look away. Well, and like the amount of times that you watch Farley and Spade interact and Farley's just doing what Farley did and Spade right. is trying like he's not like that wasn't like he was trying to look embarrassed, but also like if I don't look at him, I won't laugh. Right. And I don't know how many spare little model cars they had, but I can't imagine like if he set some on fire and burned and they were like, okay, we got to do another take. Okay. I have to set another car on fire. Like how many times can you not laugh? Like, right. hey, we've only got five of these cars. You got to get it in the first five takes. I don't know what to do with this. Right. I mean, and that's just the awkwardness. We've all been there. We've all had that like awkward interaction where you feel good. And all of a sudden you're like, what, what, what am I saying? What, how, why, how did I get, how did I light something on fire? Like what happened here? Right. It's like old school blacked out. Turn on, which also could have been a good rant. Although I didn't really understand anything of what he was like, just from the political jargon that spews out of his mouth. I had no clue what he was talking about. And what was that one from? Old school, where it's Will Ferrell's up there with the the raging Cajun from Spitfire at some nationally ranked like debate guy who's on like political shows all the time, and they ask him about it, and he goes, "Oh, oh actually, yeah. James, it's like James Carvel, and he's like the bald guy with the glasses, and he goes, "Oh, yep. mind if I take this?" And then he just blacks out and goes, "What happened? I I, I blacked out. What happened?" Yes. And James Carvel goes, "I have nothing to add. That that was perfect. Like I have I have no rebuttal." <laughs> and they win that debate because yeah. he blacks out and he has no idea what happened. Yeah, good old good old Frank the Tank moment, you know. That's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. So but yeah, that, that Tommy Boy is one of my favorites. My number three is from the redemption of the Rocky series. So Rocky yeah, one five, four. five wasn't good. So I'm assuming you mean six. Uh-huh. Rocky okay. one through four. Fantastic. Each movie somehow got better. One of the few times that sequels improved on what had already happened. Right. And then number five happened. And we're watching rocky like street fight in the in the hood against the nationally <laughs> against like the reigning defending right. world heavyweight champion because the dude's pissed off that they're like you're a paper champion you haven't fought anybody good and like which is bringing back a you know an old trope from the first one which that that's what they were like oh creed you haven't fought anybody good recently like whatever and then rocky Velo comes out and i remember me and you we either, I believe we either went to the movies, then went to the gym, or went to the gym, then went to the movies and watched this. It was it was a mandate. It was definitely a mandate. Yeah, definitely had a bro day together. Mm. And uh, I remember walking out of there and being like, "That was really good. I am I am content with the way they wrapped it up. You know, like the the end scene of Rocky walking out before they even announced the split, the winner of the split decision because it didn't matter to him, right? Yeah, yeah. He he did what he needed to do. He got the monsters out of the basement, and that was that. 
But at one point throughout this movie, he steps in and he's talking to his kid and his kid has this like weird aversion to the fact that he's Rocky's son. Because well, he he's, like not, he's not his own man, right? He's yeah. always, oh, there goes Rocky's kid. So he's constantly in his dad's shadow, right? Yeah. That's the whole thing. And like, and he's never done anything to like separate himself from that. Aside from like, hang out with his buddies at a bar where they're like, oh, yo, how, yo, how's the champ? How's the champ? And then when he goes to work, it's like, oh, you're the champ's kid, right? Like, give, give rock my best. It's, you know. Yeah. And just all day, every day, he has an issue with it. And you know what? You know what that reminded me of? The the whole Polly breakdown. <clears throat> I think maybe it's the third one, maybe the fourth one where like Paulie's drunk walking around and he, the bartender's like, you know, Hey, you know, give, give rock my best. And he goes, Hey, I'm in here all the time. He goes, how come, how come I don't get your best? Like, and he's just getting drunker and like more right. jealous and more upset because he's not Paulie. He's rock's brother-in-law. Right. You know what I mean? And it's always the other way. And I feel like that's, it happens to everyone around him. It's tough to get out of that shadow. Well, and regardless I mean, of how well he treats you. Right. And, and that even goes, into Rocky Balboa where like they're going through like it's the anniversary of Adrian's death and they're going through like the tour of like where they met and when, when their first date, their first kiss and Paulie finally mm-hmm. loses it on him. He's like, rock, I don't have these memories. I didn't treat her good. Like I miss her like crazy, but I didn't appreciate her when she was here. Like this is miserable for me. These are great. Right. This is a reminder of what a POS I was to my yes. own baby sister all the time. Yeah. So uh, that whole thing comes through, but when, Rocky shows up and he tells his son that he's going to fight that he's going to, that he, you know, they, they offered him the fight. He's going to take the fight. And the kid's like, basically, why can't you just go away? Like, why can't you just knock it the hell off? And he's like, he basically like tells him, I'm tired of living in your shadow. Like you need to just not be around anymore. So I can be my own man. And he goes off on this, this rampage. And it starts off with him. Like, you know, I got to hold you in my palms. It'd be about this big right here. Just I'd not be like, this kid is going to be great. And then he goes into and it, this this quote is actually so popular. It made it into like a recent rap song. Where you know, it's, it, it's it's not mean, no, but it's but it's stern. Oh, yeah. And, and, and still forceful. Yeah. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's mean and it's a nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. And it goes from there. And then he ends it with um, cowards do that. And it ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. And like, and he just walks away. And And as he's walking across the street, he turns back and looks, he goes, Hey, go visit your mother. One of these days, huh? And just keeps walking. And like, it's kind of the know your role and shut your mouth and like be better that Rocky's kid needed really for like from Rocky three on, I think. Uh, I think three, he's still a little guy or a baby. And then in four, I remember like he's watching on TV from Russia. I think five is when he turns into like a little piss pot. Cause that's when they lose all their money. And well, yeah, well, so in four, he was like, he was spoiled, but he didn't, you kind of like saw him starting to act spoiled, but it didn't come to a head until Rocky five when all of a sudden, like, you know, he that now he's back and he's hanging out with, you know, like little Marie call me a creepo. 
Right. Well, I mean, then that's the whole thing. I think that his kid feels jealous and slighted because instead of he keeps asking his dad to like spar with him and like teach me how to use the bag and you know what I mean? And how do I do this? And instead of doing that, Rocky goes and spends his time with Tommy. Right. Which ends up, to your point, in a awkward street fight <laughs> at the end of a, of a boxing movie. Like, and there's a point where like Rocky like breakdance sweeps the leg type thing and like is like as if like street fighting is a taught martial art and Rocky's been proficient in it his whole life and you never forget where you came from, Rock. Like, right? No, like he was just because he, he was in, in a movie. I was just gonna say he was like an enforcer for some low level mob guy bouncing yeah. that racquetball on the ground with his fedora on. That's yeah, and like with with fingerless gloves and a leather jacket with the sleeves rolled up like right right so no actually i also had that on my list but i was trying to stay away from the sports motivational it's hard to stay away from it i love it it's so it is because they, they, those were the first ones that i thought of well and just and being you and i who are we are that's that's where i went the best part is that's a sports movie but that's a life motivational quote like Correct. that's not even that has nothing to do with boxing at all that's just right it's not like he's training his son to be a fighter that's just this is your everyday life right. no, nothing hits like life it's about how hard you can get hit and get back keep, up again. Keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Yeah, I don't know that quote at all. <laughs> so that, that was your number three. So my number two, and now I have a, a 1A, 1B situation. I feel like as it always happens. Um, but my 1B, so my number two is the uh, the Chevy Chase Christmas vacation just tirade that he goes on about his boss. After instead of getting his bonus check that he's gotten every year he's worked for the company, he gets enrolled in the jelly of the month club and then just loses his shit in front of his whole family. That he's like, I want him right here with a big bonus. That's like a tell him what a lying, cheating, disgusting forefoot, and then just every name under the book, and then finishes it with hallelujah, holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? And he like storms off into the kitchen, and it's I have a t-shirt. With the entire quote across the front of it, that's one have, of my favorite Christmas shirts. I have seen that shirt. Um, that it, it's it's just it's fantastic, and because that movie is such a piece of every year Christmas time, I get to relive that quote every single year because it's one of the movies that I watch without question every Christmas. Well, but it, it's one of my favorites, you know. And as goofy as like all the National Lampoons things are, and how like satirically unrealistic they can be. It's a lot of it hit, hits home, you know, like a lot of it actually like touches all like we're, we're actually going through something here where Allie uh, had two different bonuses coming her way and she's starting a new job in a couple of weeks and her employer tried to be like, uh, well, if you're not employed here, when we pay out the bonuses, you don't get the bonuses. First off, New York state law, that's illegal. And second, like it's one of those things where people depend on those like people like work for bonuses to get said bonuses. And now this is a Christmas bonus. There's no guarantee for Christmas bonuses. There's no, like a lot of places like we'll do them, but they're not something you should like. You do not depend on the Christmas bonus. Cause it may be big. It may be small. It may not exist one year. Like just, right. Oh. It's not really based on your production. It's kind of like, Hey, thanks for like, like happy holidays. Right. Exactly. Right. And, but like when you're expecting a bonus and then like, and then they give you one and they're like, oh, here's a jelly of the month club. <laughs> right. Well, and, and not telling anybody. Right. Like, I feel like it's, it's it, the, the part that's just crappy and, and really rusty Griswold of all people like, just sucks. Thank you, Russ. It's like, just a little head nod. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. He's, I've worked for the company for 20 years. I've gotten a bonus every single year, but this one, 
He was, if you want to take, cut him out, he was fine. And he's like, but if, just not tell anybody you know, how you did it. He was, sucks. Yeah. Bag over the head, punch in the face, and like rips it all up into pieces. <laughs> and then there's Cousin Eddie. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, Clark. <laughs> it's just like, that it is, Edward. That it is. Like chugging eggnog with booze in it. Oh, man. Boozing his mind. But I, I I love that one. And it's it's really, like I said, it's iconic to the point where they they make clothing about it. They make t-shirts. There's You can find that all over the place. Yeah, you can find that as much as you can find a sweatshirt that says, Merry Christmas. Or morning. Shitter's full. Yeah, <laughs> right. Merry Christmas. Shitter was full. I actually, I have that hoodie. I factually speaking, I have that that sweatshirt. So uh, listen, the wife and I have matching ugly sweaters that say, why is the carpet wet, Todd? And then mine says, I don't know, Margot. <laughs> but we like to wear those to ugly sweater parties. Right. It's fantastic. Yeah, we we both have the matching Merry Christmas shooters full. So with, with the great silhouette of like the guy. Like way yeah, right. Way. With him in, a, him in a bathrobe with his yep. legs just out wearing winter boots and that ear flappy Fargo yeah, the, hat. The, yeah, the ear, ear flappy like Russian like marauder hat I don't know. yeah seriously i'm like well i would think i'm like what do you call that it's not a beanie it's not a toque there's yeah. a million stupid names for winter hats i don't know what to call it so my next one takes a little bit of a hard shift here uh um, oh boy so this is my number two and i love this movie for so many reasons we actually this movie and the portrayal of the character that said this said, that said the quote uh inspired a our first ever character based episode on the show in the Joker. Uh so this is from Heath Ledger's Joker from The Dark Knight and it's his agent of chaos like rant. You know, basically like just I did what I I did what I do best. I took your little plan, I turned it on on it turned it on itself. Look at what I did to the city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm, you know, you know what I've noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan's horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that, like, a gangbanger will get shot or a truckload of soldiers will be blown up, nobody panics because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mayor will die, well, then everyone loses their minds, introduce a little anarchy, upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's fair. I love this quote. It's quick, but it's such a dynamic part of that movie. And it's true. I mean, think about all like we hear every day and, and we're kind of getting the, the, to this with like COVID and stuff now, like, oh, you know, seven people died of COVID yesterday. And you're like, yeah, that's going to happen. Like, right. You know, it's just uh, a thing. 12, 12 soldiers died yesterday. Now war's a bitch. But, you know, um, mom and her kids caught in a crossfire everyone starts losing their minds like things that aren't supposed to happen that aren't part of the plan raise all kinds of hell for about a week right it's not that it's any worse death right death is bad no matter how you slice it but why is some of it i don't want to say acceptable is not the right word but like people to your point don't lose their minds when it's like an assumed death or like it's something that you had counted on or has a higher likelihood of happening. Right. It's like it's like normalized in, in a weird way. Yeah, it, it's it's expected. Like, you know, soldiers at war die. Is it is it unfortunate? Yes. Is it sad? Absolutely. Does it affect those closest to them? Without question. But in the grand scheme of things, like nobody's putting up monuments for every single soldier that falls in battle because right. we'd run out of room. Right. Where 
you know, somebody, somebody takes out the mayor, somebody takes out the assistant district attorney, somebody takes out the police commissioner. Like there are parades in the streets. There are, you know, because it's not how it's supposed to happen. It's, that's not right. People aren't supposed to do those things. And really, and it's such, and it's such a mind F that that's how he turns Harvey into two face, essentially like that, that that's that mental switch that he somehow gets him to flip on his side. Yeah. He basically, I mean, all he does is say, I'm going to, I like, I abducted him. I abducted the girl he loved. I put them both in a room full of drums of gas and I gave the addresses backwards for where they were, which means Batman on his high tech stuff was able to save Harvey and not the girl Harvey loved, which means he got to mind F Batman and mind F, F Harvey. And then he points out to Harvey, like, who did you leave her with? Like, well, and, and also kind of lies about it. Cause I yeah. mean, he says that he, I don't know if he comes out right and says that he didn't do that. He goes, do I really look like a guy who's got plans? And he's like wearing a nurse's uniform. He's had a wig on. Like it's a, it's a whole, like I'm right. a dog chasing cars. I don't know what I would actually do if I actually caught one. He goes, commissioner Gordon's got plans. He goes, Maroney's got plans. It's like, I'm going to, and that's the, he goes into the whole agent of chaos thing. Yeah. But really he is the one who did those things, but he said that he wasn't, even though he did it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you're like, you're not going to tell me now. Do I think the plan was for, you know, for things to work out the way they did? No, but he absolutely intentionally gave the addresses backwards. Right. No, no, hundred percent. It's not like he went, uh, one of them's at this and the other ones he went, he's at, 12 maple and she's at 19 main street like right and they went to like i'm going here you get harvey and then he shows up and he's got harvey and like right you know just it helps him turn like the the white knight of gotham as they phrase him in the movie like the 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 hero that gotham needs it turns him to a bad guy and then in turn like that gets discovered in the third movie and people like lose their shit Right. Well, I mean, you have to keep it a secret forever, I guess. I mean, yeah. how are you going to, but, uh, what's your, that's a good one. one. That's a good one too. So, and really, I feel like we've talked about my number one at nauseum, but I, at the risk of, of being extremely redundant, <laughs> I'm going to talk about it again. Uh, my number one rant that I feel like is, is also like, you can name like four words out of the entire rant and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Um, and it's just, it's Colonel Jessup's rant at the end of a few good men. Yeah, it, with Tom Cruise can't handle the truth. That's it. That's all you need to say, and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Um, Jack Nicholson's just so incredible in that role. He re, he's only got like it's it now. It's a two hour and like forty five minutes. It's a long, it's a movie. long movie. He's got a total of like seven minutes of screen time, and most of it's in the end of the movie. Yes. Where he's on the stand with Tom Cruise. So, I mean, it might be a little bit more than that. Let's just say it's it's 10 to 12 minutes. But really, I don't think it's very long. Well, yeah. When they, when they visit the base, he's on there and he's being a smart ass and like just being a right. dick. Like, yep. You know, and then but it's like it's five him, minutes there and 10 minutes at the end. Right? Yeah. And then every time you see him, he's that same condescending pompous asshole. But then at the end, like he, he hits it on the head and it, it kind of stems into what we were just talking about. You know, like the, the things that like, I mean, you probably have the quote better than I do, but you know, the whole, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the type of person who, you know, thanks, thanks me for the freedom I provide and then criticizes the way in which I provide it. Like, right. 
the guy here because I've never the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of protection that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you or pick up a gun and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Yeah. And he's like, he's like borderline, like chomping at the bit to like crawl out of that stand, like get out of the chair and like rip his head off. It's. Yeah, because here's a dude who's, you know, worked his entire life to get to the position that he's in. The general Commodore fucking, I don't know, not even sure what his official title is, but like he's like a highly touted, heavily decorated officer. And here's some dude who'd never like he, he passed basic training and then went into like becoming an attorney for the U.S. military. The, and, the JAG Corps, right? Like. So then all of a sudden he's sitting there like being questioned by a dude who's never had to pick up a gun and defend, defend the country or defend the freedom of those who like he's never had to put his life on the line. Aside from that one time he visited the base and he had to be like, I wouldn't wear white here. Soldier, you're you're like there are snipers be, love to cap you right now. Right. They love to get themselves an officer. And he's like, good call, Sam, because it's definitely the co-counsel told him to wear the whites. Right. You have to wear the whites in the plane. Yeah. But I mean that he his whole thing and why he's so pissed is he was he was I'm in this position because I have to make the hard calls that you don't like to think about that I live in a world you know what I mean where I have to face these types of decisions every day he goes he goes way down deep he goes in places you don't talk about at cocktail parties you want me on that wall you need me on that wall it's it's like really like it's quite the inspirational speech because honestly, and we've talked about this in other episodes where he's supposed to be portrayed as like this bad guy, and he's, he's definitely condescending. He's apparently a misogynist. You know, like, oh yeah, he, he pretty much like, oh, right. But also on the flip side, mostly earned. Uh, right. Well, it's the Very whole thing of like what what I do is keep people safe. They'll any any um where the hell you say it? Oh, he's like that. Uh, Private Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. That at the end of the day, he was a substandard Marine. That putting him out there on the front lines, it means if if he wasn't up to the task, that means somebody else probably died. Like, you know what I mean? Like, him being out there was a weak link in the chain. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that he deserved to die, obviously. But, like, you know, I'm reminded of, like, uh, what, 300? Where, like, they stand shoulder to shoulder with the shields. And he goes, each Spartan soldier protects the guy next to him shoulder to to knee, you know what I mean? It's how they line up in their battle formations. If there's a weak link in that, somebody probably dies. Yeah. That's why King Leonidas doesn't let the deformed guy who just desperately wants to be a Spartan soldier participate. Because Altes, I believe his name was. Exactly. Right. Why doesn't do let I him be. In, I, well, listen, it was a great movie. Things, I saw in, of all saw in theaters twice. So did I. I think we were, I think we did that together. <laughs> Uh, IMAX twice. With, it was totally yes, worth it. With with different groups of people. Like oh, two right. different groups. Oh, you went and saw that up. Oh, yeah, I'll go see it again. <laughs> yep. Um yeah, because pull I, back one more time. <laughs> like I because I, I just remember like you there, Fialtes. May you live a long, prosperous life. And like that's right. like the biggest insult you can give to a Spartan warrior who like they only want the, the greatest glory. Like the honorable death, right? They're yeah. just looking for somebody who can best them in combat. Yeah. But so, yeah, so it, the whole thing. Yeah. Link in the chain, not good. And yeah. regularly, he's portrayed as this, be this bad guy, but that monologue he delivers is like, I don't know, it's incredible. It's it's well, and and it and it it shows because at the very end, you know the like there's no happy ending there. Like he end up, he ends up getting court martialed. The, the two guys are dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. 
Right. And like, yes, you, you know followed, what I mean? You, you followed orders, like, but you still didn't do like, like what you did was still wrong. Despite right. the fact that you followed orders. Like they, they salute Tom Cruise at the end. It's sort of better. Cause they they're like, Oh, Hey, there's an officer on deck and they salute him. And that's, you know, kind of feel good story, but well, yeah, because he, he, he makes this whole thing about like, he's technically a ranking officer and they're like, are you, but he, he calls him a coward though. It's a whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. He wants to take a plea bargain, but I mean, really everybody in that movie, it's they, he yells and screams at people. Yes. He wins the case, but you know, two officers get arrested. A third one commits suicide in his hotel room. The other two Marines are dishonorably distraught. Like it really goes quite poorly yeah. for a lot of people in that movie. Yeah. But there's not God. a whole lot of happy endings there. Yeah. And, but thank God Tom Hanks won or Tom Cruise won Cruise, the case. Right. Like, mm, good for you. And in his first ever court case, because he had like 74 plea, gar- plea bargains, whatever that he's like, one more, get us to the steak knives. Yeah. Right. So that that's my number one. That 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 one's in the Hall of Fame. That's all an all timer right there. My my Hall of Famer, my de facto number one, is uh, is the inch by inch speech. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Any any, given, any given Sunday. Yep. Um. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives. All comes down to today. Either we heal as a team, or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in one. We're we're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me, and we can stay here and get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. I mean, and this this is lengthy. I mean, I could keep right. going. one 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 inch too long or too short, and you don't quite catch it. And it's just everything's a game of inches. Yeah, one, one inch too far, you're out of bounds. Well, one inch, you know, one inch too short, and you don't quite make it. Like, and and it's it's a great movie. I wish the. The only thing I wish for this movie as a whole was that the football was a little bit better. It's it's a little ridiculous. It's almost comical. It's I don't know like, how else to explain it. It's but it's a very artfully done movie. Uh, it's very artsy, very, um, you know, like, like the. It's almost like montages and like quick hits and quick camera jumps and stuff like that. Where like other TV shows and movies have made a point of being like. We don't want to do that. We want it to look like real football. We want it to look like actual like play, not right. just dudes in pads standing around for like quick jump camera shots. And, you know, the whole movie's great. And coming of age of an old quarter of, of, of you know, an old quarterback who, you know, still has it in him, but then gets hurt and can't quite come back. The young stud that's, you know, changing the game, like the the new style of NFL player, the new style of NFL quarterback, the, you know, the the owner who wants to move the team. And why is that such a trope in, in sports? Like, cause people always do it in Madden. So they're like, yeah. Hey, we should put this in a movie now. Right. The first thing you do when you do franchise mode is move the team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick a team. I hate and move them. Shout out right. to Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> so, but like, I, you know, it's just one of those things where the whole thing, it just gives you chills. And it, especially it hits a little extra. If you've ever been in a locker room and like, I don't care what sport, but like football obviously is the easy tell we'll say right like that's the easy one right that that's the simple quick hit like yeah if you were, if you played football you understand but like if you've been in a locker room like you understand and this hits home a little bit like whether you were football baseball hockey swimming like it doesn't matter like inch by inch game of inches every single sport this hits home and don't give up don't quit yeah like and, and we, we like if you do, we're gonna burn in hell. If you don't, we can climb back into the light. And I mean, like later in that, 
like in that because this is the same movie where like a dude loses an eye on the field uh shark like gets his concussion but gets his bonus or whatever he's like don't hurt me man i'm worth a million dollars yeah he's like, like half dead in the field it's yeah, unbelievable dude, dude can't even move like Kevin would be doc i'm worth a million dollars like yeah <laughs> and, and of course it's lawrence taylor too like do you know what i mean it's so <laughs> <laughs> it's like lauren alt so we have this role for you i'm in i don't even care what it is like yeah, put me down full set. Right full set yep but like call, my, call my agent tell him yep <laughs> like just one of those stupid things where like you know uh you, you laugh at it because that that's like the rob williams thing like i have a I have a million dollars i have no idea what the fuck it is but i have it <laughs> like that, robin, that's what he reminded that robin me. robin williams bit from back in the day yeah like that's what that reminds me of like yeah don't careful with me doc i'm with a million dollars man man you don't even know where you are right now but you know you you know you got that bonus like jesus and, and really, and, this, and the same thing here with this one. I'm ready to like run. I've never played football. I'm ready to run through a wall. Yeah. When Al Pacino is done with that speech, because it just gets you so far up. You're like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And like, I, it, and it's funny because he's on the verge in this movie of like, you know, you, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see, see yourself become the bad guy. He's on that, like on that precipice for most of this movie, you know, where like the old coach from um, Varsity Blues, where like, they almost get in a fight in the locker Bud, room. Bud, Bud Kilmer? Yeah. Where they for his like, 25th district championship or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And then, like, he tries to get the team fired up, walks out into, like, in the hallway and, like, let's go, let's go. Come right. on. No, and, like, and nobody, nobody follows, follows him. him. And, like, you know, like, and, and then, like, the opposite of the speech, like, 30 minutes for the next 30 minutes or 20 minutes for the next 20 minutes of our lives. Like, after that, 20, 20, 20 years, we have, yeah. we have an opportunity to play like gods for one half of football. Like, and they slow clap to a build like every good 90s movie. And of course, uh, but like it's the exact there. opposite. Like there's like three minutes of the, the, the most important thing that any of us will ever do. And like, no, nah, man, like we, like the next three minutes, we can play one half of football and be gods. And then who cares? Like, <laughs> and it's funny. And then he takes a scholarship to Brown University and yeah. never plays football again. Oh, right. So, all right. And tweet, tweeted drank beer. Just tweeted tweet drank beer. beer. Right. Bob cried because well, <laughs> Bob's a bit of a crier. Bit of a crier. Me? I never play football again. On honorable mention monologue for the Johnny the clothes the Johnny yeah John what was it John Moxon Moxon yeah yeah John Moxon uh, the monologue closing Varsity Blues I can be your hero baby <laughs> yo we we should we should do our next episode or like we should do one down the road of like the best placed songs in like in movies. Like there's a lot of those. I'm, I think of like that was a top, 90s like, thing. Sh- Shrek. Yeah. Just smash mouth just right in the beginning there and just like kicking the door open and like that. That's perfect. That doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Uh, that one. One of my actual favorites is uh, the movie The Condemned with Stone Cold. Oh, they're playing right Nickelback. at the end. Yeah. Right yep. at the end. They're playing Nickelback and like he gets out of the truck and like the song hits and you're like, oh, shit. Like it just because I'm pretty See, sure it's like, even me. And you and you and I are fans, and then like half of the people listening to this are like, "Dude, Nickelback, seriously? Why do people hate Nickelback? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, understand. I don't know. They haven't done anything to anybody. <laughs> I don't understand the issue. I agree. But anyway, so uh, that's gonna wrap the episode. I think. Got to give a yeah. Shout out. That was it. That yeah, was good. Got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Buffalo Freddy Enterprises. Check them out for all your party needs. BuffaloFreddy.com and seven one six four Freddy. 
uh find us on all the stuff um you'll hear the closing thing at the end of the thing that closes us and uh quote king great great topic dude great i'm right great. i thought this would be a fun one this is a good one well thank you for uh carving out part of your data to talk with me here and uh, we got some fantasy football drafting to do later i think boom so excited let's roll so uh all that being said i guess that's a wrap the Producers is part of the BICBP Radio Network. Check us out online at BICBP-radio.com or find us on social media by typing in The Producers to Facebook. Like, follow, share, subscribe, and tell your friends about us today. The weather is changing and the sun is shining, which means summer party season is here, and Buffalo Freddy Party Rental has everything you need to get your party started. From tents, tables, and chairs to inflatable bounce houses, water slides, and obstacle courses, Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to take your summer shindig to the next level. Not sure what to serve at your event? Buffalo Freddy does barbecue catering as well. For more details or to make reservations, head over to buffalofreddy.com or give them a call at 716-437-3339. That's 716-4-FREDDY. Buffalo Freddy is a proud sponsor of this podcast.